0: Hey Man of Church, welcome to the online worship experience for today. So happy that you're tuned in. My name is Jefferson, I'm on staff here, and I am your host for the day. So what's going to happen is, in a moment we're going to sing some songs and worship. I'll be back with you to share a couple things, and then we'll have a message from our very own Pastor Jeff. I can't wait for what the day holds, so let me pray for you, and we'll hop right in. Jesus. Thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that you always make a way to meet with us. Lord, we pray that we encounter your spirit today and that changes our lives. And all these things that we pray, we pray in your name. Amen. Come on, man of church, let's worship today. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, my name is Jefferson, I'm the host for today's online worship experience. It's my honor, it's my privilege to welcome you, and I want to say a special welcome to those that are watching for the very first time, this is your first time entering and encountering, encountering a man a church online worship experience, welcome. We're so glad that you're tuning in today. But more than us being happy that you're watching, we really want to connect with you. We want to know who you are. We want to find out where you're coming from, what your name is. So do me a favor, get out your phone right now and text this key phrase. MCHP Connect to the number that's on your screen nine four zero nine zero, and that's gonna send you a few prompts and allow us to get to know you so we can get to know who you are but we also want to serve you so maybe you have some prayer requests maybe you want to get involved with the small group maybe you want to know who we are as a church and what our vision is we have something called the growth track and all those things you can find out through that key phrase MCHP Connect Text it to the number 94090. We can't wait to find out who you are. See, we're in the middle of a series right now. Just started, honestly, a couple weeks ago. It's called The Purple Book. And we've launched some new small groups that go right along with our series. We're calling them Purple Book Small Groups. Believe it or not. We're making it really easy for you to get involved during the summer. So there's going to be a link in the description of this video that's going to send you right to a link that tells you how to sign up for a small group. We really think that doing and participating in these extra small groups is really going to be beneficial for your life. We can hear a sermon every week, but really we just believe that it is a catalyst for change. And so when we engage in relationships and we build our lives together with other people we ask the hard questions and we really get into the nitty-gritty of our lives so i'm encouraging you right now if you haven't signed up for a purple book small group please 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 do that today life is better together we really really believe it so check it out the purple book small group link in the description of this video but I also wanna let you know something else. You're probably watching live at our 915 service, but today at 11 o'clock we are regathering for our first in-person experience. We're super excited about it. So we're inviting you to come out, but we also have this online version available because maybe you don't feel comfortable quite yet and that is absolutely simply okay. We don't believe that you have any less faith. It's not not a faith issue, it's a conviction issue. So when you are ready to come out, we are ready for you. We have a lot of protocols in place to make sure that things are clean, and we're so excited for it. So if you're at home, be praying for us. If you're coming, be praying for us. We're just excited to be able to regather as a church family and worship together in the same room. And lastly, before we hop right back into worship, I wanna thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving throughout these past 12 weeks, not just the 12 weeks, but as long as you have been here. It just allows us to be able to continue to reach out to our community, to serve them in the best way that we know how. So thank you for your generosity. We wanna remind you, you can continue to give online or you can even text MCHP Give to that same number, 940. 940- 90. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, let's reorient our lives, our hearts. Let's get back into worship, and then Pastor Jeff will be with you to preach an inspiring message.
1: good morning everyone. my name is Jeff Bullock I'm the pastor here at Mana Church High Point. Hey Mana Church it's so good to see you this morning. thank you for joining us at our 9:15 a.m. service and if you've been joining us for several weeks thank you for being with us again. hey in the messaging part and just let us know that you're here today uh, and if you're joining us for the first time welcome. we're so thrilled to have you with us. Uh, we are in a series that we are calling The Purple Book. It's a Bible study. We have different small groups following along with it. And so uh, we're in week three and the chapter title this week is Repentance and Baptism. But my subtitle this morning is Eyes Wide Open because we need God to open our eyes. And so this Purple Book, just to give you a little bit of context, is not a Bible study on any particular book. But it is, uh, or, or any particular theme in the Bible. But if you're planting a flower garden, and uh, you use various tools in order to get the job done. Well, Jesus has given us a job to do, which is to go make disciples of all the nations. And the purple book, see, this, a friend of mine, as right, Pastor Rice Brooks said, and we interviewed him a few weeks ago who wrote, the, helped, was co-authoring, who co-authored the purple book. He said it was a tool. And so the Purple Book is designed to actually be a tool to help equip us to make the work of making disciples more effective. Let me just give you a paraphrase of Hebrews 6.1. You can pull that up on your phone and you will see the scriptures on the screen. But we want to encourage you to engage in the Bible. But Hebrews 6.1 says something like this. It says, when we believe the elementary teachings of the Christ, elementary meaning the foundational, the basic teachings about the Christ, Then we press on to maturity. See, these chapters in the Purple Book cover the elementary teachings of the gospel. And I want us to understand this, and I really deeply believe this, that unless we understand the foundations and we actually have them in our lives, there is no pressing on to maturity. The author of Hebrews says, We will talk about this, and once we get these teachings down in us, then we will press on to maturity. See, the elementary teachings of the Bible, that that stuff, it it really just means the first things about the Christ. Uh, The elementary teachings, we've heard this term, especially popular lately, the essentials. You know, we have essential oils and we have essential workers and we have essential jobs, which simply means those things that are absolutely necessary. So we can read Hebrews 6.1 is once we lay the absolutely necessary things about the Christ, then we can press on to maturity. The foundations of the gospel help us understand the condition of the world. See, when we understand, we understand what's going on in the world. We understand what's going on with us. We understand a bit more about who God is, what He's doing, and what He expects from us. And so this week, we're looking in the chapter 3, the the foundational, the fundamental understanding of what repentance is and what water baptism is. So I want to read with you out of Acts 2, verse 38, as well as verse 41. We're going to skip. The context of this is a man named Peter who was a follower, basically on staff with Jesus, is standing up and he's standing before thousands of people and he presents the gospel presentation. And the Bible says that the people, when they heard it, that they were pierced. In other words, they were convicted. What he said had impact on them. And they responded to that message and they say, what must we do then, Peter, to be saved? What is our action point? And Peter responds in Acts 2.38 and verse 41. He says this, repent. You need to repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41. So then those who had received his word were actually baptized. And that day they were added. They were added to what? They were added to the church. And that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. So Peter gives them four things they need to do when they say, hey, we've heard the gospel. What must we do? He says, you must repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and be added to the church. So today, again, we're going to be looking at repentance and baptism. And in subsequent weeks, we'll be looking at baptism of the Holy Spirit and what the church is. So let's jump in, talk about repentance Uh, Hang on now. I I, I like using a lot of scripture because I want it to be founded. What we're saying, we can find it in the Bible. Repentance. Uh, John the Baptist, Jesus, and of course we just saw this in Peter and Paul. They all preached. Their, Their message began with repent. John the Baptist and Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning that the kingdom of heaven is just right there at the fingertips. Oftentimes we think we have to earn our way to heaven and it's very far away because our lives have to get perfect. Jesus said, the kingdom's not far. The way you get it, it's so close, is repent. Peter, of course he said, repent and be baptized and 3,000 people responded to that. Paul is in a, a place in Greece called Mars Hill. And Mars Hill is actually a real hill and he's preaching a message to the intellectuals, the intellectual Greeks. Mars Hill was actually a hill that was 377 feet below the land, uh, below the land that was below. And, he, and it was a place where people talked about philosophy and religion and uh, government things and poly, uh, civil issues and political issues. And Peter, I mean, Paul arrives up there and he's with them and he's preaching. And this is what he says, that God is now... This is how he ends his message after he presents the gospel. He says, God is now declaring to men, meaning mankind, including all. God is now declaring to all men that all people everywhere should repent. See, oftentimes we leave this, I I think, oftentimes the message of repentance is left out of the gospel presentation. See, we need to get people... (laughs) We need to lead people to Christ in a right way. We need to get them saved right rather than them getting saved wrong. See, the plan of salvation cannot be like choosing a mobile phone plan. Hey, so many free minutes, so many free texts. This phone has a camera. It has a really great camera. It has the Internet access, all the things like this. Just pray with me and Jesus will prosper you. This salvation has direct access to heaven, unlimited internet access, very fast speed to God 24-7. Jesus offers one plan, repentance and believe. Be a disciple. Give up your idols. See, when we, oftentimes the message of the gospel is presented in such a way that we get to design how we walk with Him. But Jesus doesn't offer us the family plan or the individual plan. He offers one plan, and that plan is give up your idols, give up your opinions, give up your rights to your own life, bow, humble your heart in fear and obedience to His Lordship. Jefferson talked about that last week. When we say give up your opinion. We don't mean that you can't have one. It means surrender. Humble your opinion to God's opinion. And if our opinion and our rights don't line up with what God says, then we change our opinion. This is the only plan. It's called repentance. Too often, this message of repentance is missing from the message of the gospel. How do we know? I mean, you got, Pastor Jeff, how how can you even say that? How is it? How can you say that this is Missing from the gospel, I think, because there, we have so little influence in society. See, the message preached, if we just preach a message without repentance, just believe Jesus died for you and go confess your sin, but it requires no change in your life, just a mental assent. then a simple, the simple result is that at best, that kind of message, at best, creates weak Christians who bear no fruit and have no victory in their life. And at worst, people walk away deceived who think they're right with God, but they actually are not. If we don't preach the truth, we actually... See, if we don't actually preach the gospel properly, we actually inoculate people from the gospel. They become immune to it. Let me just tell you what repentance means. Repentance, actually, we get, a, we get a panoramic view if we actually look at the Greek word for repentance and the Hebrew word for repentance. The Greek word for repentance means to, it simply, it just means to change your mind. But the Hebrew word means to turn around. It means to do an about face. Again, or, or rather with changing your mind. It doesn't, it's not based on whether you feel like changing your mind. Whether you turn around an about face, you're walking one way, living your life the way you want to live it, but now you run into God and you don't want to do that anymore, so you turn around 180 degrees and you change direction. Neither changing your mind or changing your direction has anything to do with your emotions. I don't feel like it has nothing to do with that. As many of you probably know, if you've sat down with me for any length of time, you know that I'm an overtalker. And when I'm driving, sometimes I'm over-talking or I just get lost in my mind. And there have been many times, a friend of mine and I, we, we were driving, going somewhere, and we drove right past our exit for almost 45 minutes. Now, once we realized we had gotten past our exit, we didn't want to turn around. We were committed to that direction. We didn't want to have to make up lost time. But it had nothing to do with the way we felt if we wanted to get where we needed to be, where we wanted to be, we had to turn around. It had nothing to do with our emotions. So regardless of how you feel, it's turning to the right thing. I want to read out of Acts 26. This gives us a little bit more insight about repent. what repentance is. Um, the Apostle Paul has just gotten saved. It's Acts 26 or he's relating his salvation story, rather. And Jesus appears to him and speaks to him. And this is Jesus speaking to the Apostle Paul. In Acts 26, 17, Jesus says, Paul, I am sending you, listen to this, I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Listen. What is it when we turn, what are we turning away from in repentance? We're turning away from darkness. Jesus told Paul open their eyes that they might turn from darkness. But not only that, something that's a little bit hard to swallow, but he said, turn also from the dominion of Satan. We are turning from everything that is sinful and is evil, but we need to realize that we live in a world in which the demonic Satan is the ruler of the world, 1 Corinthians 4 says. And we're under his dominion and we're turning from that dominion. Sin, you know why that is? And, you know, sin has this fruit that really is born in the heart of Satan. And that is to separate. Isaiah 59, 2 says this, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face. See, I think God hates divisiveness. I think he hates separation. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They basically were, had access to all of the fullness of the Trinity and the fullness of the life of God. But when they sinned, they had to leave the garden. Jesus is on the cross. The eternal son who became a man had never had broken fellowship with the father, had never been separated from him. And possibly He bore the sin of the world. He bore yours and my sin on the cross. But maybe possibly the worst part of it was for him. He cried out and he didn't say, oh, the sins are too heavy for me. His cry was, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are we separated? I think that divisive separation is is the worst thing in the Godhead because Jesus said to the Father, You and I are one and we have always been one. But on the cross, it was separated. This is why racism is so demonic. It is not about color of skin or ethnicities. It is a demonic thing that enters into the heart of man that wants to create someone to be superior, someone to be inferior. At the end of the day, even if it's not inferior and superior, it is about breaking fellowship and breaking bonds. And it's demonic and God hates it. It separates it. It is a scheme of the devil. It is the fruit of sin. It is not the fruit of color. It is not the fruit of ethnicity. The source of racism is in the heart of man. And for those, of, all of us listening, it's in my heart, and it's in your heart, and that's the thing we have to fight. And the Bible says, "Resist the schemes of the devil." Repentance is turning away from the dominion of Satan. And the Bible says, "The only fruit that he has is that he's a liar, a sinner. He's been a murderer from the beginning, and he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy." And the Bible says, "We're not just turning away from specific sins of uh, specific sins or or just bad habits. We are turning from the dominion of Satan. We're turning from darkness." but we're not just turning from something, we're turning to something. What are we turning to? We're turning to light. We're turning from the dominion of Satan to the dominion of God. Whether you know it or not, maybe you're not a Christian. And just turning and and not sinning specific things does not necessarily mean that the dominion, the kingdom, the power of darkness of the demonic is not still operating in our lives. And repentance breaks that power and transfers us, the Bible says it transfers us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. But not only that, and I want that to drop down in us. Because the demonic comes and he navigates in our head. And he hides in the weeds as a predator and preys on our emotions. And in this day, when emotions are so high, hey, I understand there is a worldly response, but there is a different response, and that is a response in the kingdom. And this isn't just in racism or in the, in the high emotion and pain of this moment. This is in your marriage, how you respond to your kids, how you're treated at work, how you navigate with people, how you navigate in, in traffic. The enemy always wants to come in and divide and separate. And he'll use anything, an offense. Oh, you don't know what I feel. You can't experience why. You can't walk in my shoes. Maybe we can't walk in each other's shoes. As a man, I can't fully walk in the shoes of my wife. But I can empathize with her and say, I, don't, I may not understand it fully, but I can understand that you're in pain. And from that standpoint, I've also had pain and I can understand that as well. But this repentance... And turning is not just from the separation. It's not just turning from the dominion of darkness. It's also turning away from our dead works and our our ability to save ourselves. Imagine the Grand Canyon. You're on one side of the Grand Canyon and God is on the other side of the Grand Canyon. And you're wanting to get to Him. And this is what man is always trying to do. He's always trying to save himself. I will get to God. My goodness will get me there. And so you get a running start and you start running and you jump but what's going to happen is you fall down into the, can- the canyon. You're going, ah, and you never make it to the other side. You climb back up and you go, I know, I'll pray more. So you run and you jump off. I'll go to church more. Now you run and jump off. I won't, I won't chew anymore. I won't spit anymore. I won't cuss anymore. I won't drink anymore. I'll do all these things. And we keep trying to be good enough to get over to God. The problem is, the Bible says that we've all sinned and we fall short. We have to repent of trying to be good enough. The Bible says that God comes to us in our sin and He removes it. That's what the cross is. The cross falls over the Grand Canyon. And then God comes down to us in the form of Jesus Christ. We can never be good enough. We have to repent from our own goodness. And we have to repent and turn and realize what kind of kingdom that we are in. Look at this. Back in Acts 26, 17, I hope you're still with me. Jesus tells Paul, I am sending you to do something. You're going to preach this message to open their eyes. And that is the key to repentance. That they may, their eyes may open that there are only two kingdoms. See, this is why I titled this message, Eyes Wide Open. Repentance is an eye-opening experience to see and to perceive things differently to see that there are only two kingdoms there is no third option there is either you or yes, we are all the the entire human race is either in the kingdom of satan or it's in the kingdom of god repentance is not improving it's turning see it's really not so much about morality it's about a changed heart so that you learn what is right and you want it because god's changed your heart To want to live that way. It's turning from the dominion of Satan, acknowledging Satan, acknowledging the dominion of darkness has ruled your life. Until you see that, listen, until you really see that, you'll only be religious and you'll never actually enter into repentance. 1983, I was at NC State. You've heard me tell this story, but I went to this seminar on rock music. And in this seminar, this was back in the, you know, the music from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And it really was just a slideshow, if you know what that is, a, a PowerPoint, so to speak, of about 200 photos of album covers. And it basically showed, it showed these bands, that the themes of the album, many times, were desecrations against the church and God and were spiritual in nature. And the thing that opened my eyes and I'm watching this it was I it was curious and what this is what was presented is that every album cover that was spiritual in nature always attacked the cross of Christ. It always like in other words, it showed a casket with a cross in it split open and a snake coming out of it. It showed demonic figures demons with hatchets and killing and and desecration of the church. But it was always attacks against Christianity. But it was never attacking Buddha or Islam or the Mormons. It was always something coming at the church. And in that moment, my eyes opened and I realized that there were only two kingdoms. I knew that there was not a third option, just those two And the message I heard and that we hear from the Apostle Paul in Acts 26 is either you're in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. And there is no third option. When I saw that, I knew in my heart that I was not in the right kingdom. I knew that I was in the kingdom of darkness. And in that moment, I was still in my sin. In fact, that morning, I had gotten high and I went to that seminar about 2 in the afternoon. And that heart changed in that moment. My eyes popped open. And when he said, basically the altar call, the invitation was, who wants to exit the kingdom of darkness? Both my hands went straight up. And when that happened, God changed my heart and I turned from that way of thinking and living, living for myself, separated for God and I was restored. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. I know when we start talking about Satan and not always popular. We kind of have him in red pajamas with a long tail and a pitchfork and some horns that he's some kind of cartoon character. But listen, Satan is a real entity. And this is what 2 Corinthians 11 says. It says, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Read it for yourself. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, he appears to be something good. He seems to be, hey, it's like this. He seems to be a teenage girl talking to a teenage boy in a chat room, but behind the room is really, the teenage girl is really a 50-year-old pedophile. He appears as something good, but the Bible says he's a liar and a murderer. The Bible tells us that he rules the world, that his kingdom is the majority culture that promotes all that is immoral, lustful, violent, divisive, and racist. Repentance is changing your mind. A change in the way you perceive, thinking and reasoning and deciding and turning away from your own perceptions and reasonings and turning to God, putting your faith and your confidence in his perceptions and reasonings and based in, in the evidence of his goodness. See, faith is not without evidence. God is good and because he is good and he opened my eyes, that is the evidence that I can put my faith in him. Well, what does he have to say? How does he think? I don't care. I wish I'm going to trust it and I'm going to come to him in faith. And when he says, this is the way I do things, then I just line right up and I say, God, that's the way I want to do things too. Help me do those things. This is repentance turning away from sin, turning away from the dominion of Satan, turning away from saving yourself. And all of this is an eye-opening experience. And the Bible says when we do that, that's when we get born again. That is repentance. There's so much more, but I'm going to stop there. Let's move in. Now I'm just going to do an abrupt transition. We'll talk a little bit about baptism. And, and listen, this is a foundational thing. And you go, wait a minute, that's kind of hard, Pastor Jeff. It, you know what? Jesus doesn't ask it to... As, ask us to do easy things. I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to come to the earth and die on the cross. I understand that repentance, but Jesus asks for way more than we ever think that we can give. But Jesus never asks us for more than we, than we actually can give. Baptism. So Apostle Peter's preaching, he says, repent and be baptized. Baptism, what is baptism? Baptism. There's there's more than what I'm going to say but let me just give you some some basic ideas. Baptism is a public declaration and a full so it's a public declaration but it's a full it's a full and complete identification with the person of Jesus Christ and everything that he says and stands for. It's kind of like a public marriage ceremony. You know, when you stand up on the altar, you are basically, the man is saying to every woman out there and to the whole world, too late ladies, I'm no longer available, I'm only hers. And she says the same thing to all the men, and baptism is this declaration to all the idols. Two people and to to all the spiritual things, saying there is only one God in my life. I forsake all other gods. Nobody will. I will not get my identity from my skin color. I won't get my identity from my my wife or my husband. I won't get my identity from my children, my education, or how I was up. I am not the sum total of the ups and the downs, as the song goes. My identity is now fully embraced in who Christ is and everything that He stands for. It's a public declaration. Ephesians five thirty two says this. Paul is talking about marriage. But listen to this statement. He's talking about how the two become one. He's talking about how the husband and the wife, two whole people, one plus one should be two, but it's one plus one becomes one. And the Bible says that we become one with Christ. And he says this, this mystery of marriage is great. And then he says this, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. And that's why baptism is a little bit like a marriage ceremony. We're becoming one. It is the public declaration Of what has already happened in your heart, just like marriage. What is it that we identify with in Christ? Well, these three things, at least, and and many more things. But these three things we identify with His death, his burial, and his resurrection. As he died, we have also died to sin and to self. As he was, excuse me, as he was buried, we also are buried, no longer living for self, but for him. We're buried. And he was raised. So also we have been raised to life. Because this world is passing in in a world. We have been raised to life in a world that is passing away. So let me give you some scriptures. And listen, I'm going to read through a lot of scriptures. Probably be making a little bit of commentary. But follow through. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. His death. We identify with his death. Galatians 2.20 says this. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Think about that. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live for the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's Galatians 2.20. I love that scripture. You really can't get around this idea in the message of the gospel and baptism and repentance. You really can't get around this idea that in order to be with Christ, we must also die with him. The Bible is always full of this thing about death. What is it that we have died to? The Bible says we have died. When we turn, we have died to sin, and we've, been, we've died from doing things our own way, the way we feel like it should be done. Matthew 8, 34. Listen to what Jesus says. We die to self. This is powerful. We like to avoid these scriptures, but Listen. Mark 8, 34, 35. If anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus is declaring. Imagine him on the Washington Mall speaking into a microphone and speaking out to the message. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. These are not suggestions. Take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake... And the gospel's sake, that's where he'll save it. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross, in other words, die. Remember Jesus went to the cross. He said, Lord, I don't want to do this, but not my will, but your will be done. This is what he's talking about. Whoever does not do the will of God, whoever does not carry his own cross, even when he doesn't feel like it, and come after me, listen, cannot be my disciple. That's what he said. Christianity is a narrow door. Jesus broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow. And few are those who find it. Listen, if it was easy to follow God, everybody would be doing it. We also turn from sin. We also are baptized. We we, we also die to self, but we die to sin. Romans 6, 10 and 11. For the death that Jesus died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. In baptism, we are publicly saying, I have died with Christ, I have died to sin, and I am dead to myself. That doesn't mean you're perfect and that your whole life is void of it. It means you've turned in such a way that you're walking away from those things and you're pursuing Him. And if you follow along the way, the Bible says a righteous man gets up and just keeps on going. Listen, Jefferson said the other night, he said, look, I know you're tired, but if we don't quit, we win. We get back up, but we've also identified, we, 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 we identify with his death, but we also identify with his burial. What do you do with people who have died? I mean, what do you do with dead people? You bury them. Romans 6, 3-4 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried, buried with him through baptism. Into his death. These are metaphors. It's about our life. It's about our will. What are the characteristics of a dead man? First of all, he faces in one direction. He's not looking back. He said goodbye to this world. He's not going back. He's making no more plans of his own. He's got no backpack. When you're dead, you're no longer living for this world and the culture of this world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. That's what repentance is. We've died to the values. How the world, how the world responds to racism is the world's way. But God has another way. Listen to this. Another. These, are, these are scriptures in the Bible. James 4.4. 4. Do you not know? That friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Friendship with the world is participating in the values of the world and responding in the way that the world does, dismissing sin, dismissing morality, dismissing God, whatever it is, doing it their own way rather than God's way. And the Bible says when we buddy up to that kind of thing in the areas of our life, the Bible says that we become friends of the world and we make ourselves and we put ourselves in hostility to God. Listen to this James 4:4, still. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, I'm not saying that. James said that. This means his values become our values. God's values must become our values. His response must become our response. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to just keep kind of taking the sword and pushing it in a little more. Luke 16, 15 says, You are those who justify yourselves. He's not talking about you and I. He's speaking to the religious people who are hypocrites. He says, You are those who justify. I'm, making, I'm using this to under, let us understand that God's serious about this. You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. Those things that the world esteems, God doesn't esteem at all. We could say it like this For that which God does esteem is detestable. In the sight of men men think it's crazy the world thinks it's crazy jesus said if someone hits you on one side of your face give them the other that's crazy to the world but god doesn't esteem what the world does and men despise what god wants god has called us to be humbly to show mercy and to do justly these are the things he's called us to do If you haven't died to self and sin, then you are still dead in your sin. You are the walking dead, being buried alive in your own opinions. But we also identify with his resurrection. So listen, what do you do when you when you're crucified? When you identify with his death, you're dead. Then you then you go into the waters of baptism like a casket, and you, you're buried into the ground, you're buried into the water, and you're coming up, and you come up in resurrection, you come up in life. Now I'm going to read out of Romans 6 and we'll chop up these verses a little bit. Just read it, but, but by, by taking out certain sections, I'm not doing any disservice to the, the integrity or the meaning of these scriptures. Romans 6, 5 through 11. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, we've talked about that, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So if we're in Christ, we die and we're buried, He's going to raise us from the dead. God didn't leave Jesus in the ground to decay. He's not going to leave us alone. He doesn't just say die and stay there. He, he, we die to ourself, we die to sin, and He raises us up into the same life that Jesus was raised into. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So that we would no longer be slaves to sin. That's the dominion of Satan. He breaks it. God hates division. He hates separation. For he who has died is freed from sin. The only way to be free from sin is to die. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't feel like it. So what? It's not being mean. There comes a point when you read the Psalms... And we're emoting to God and we tell him we don't feel like it. And he understands he became a man and it says he waped and bore our burden. And so he identifies and he empathizes with our pain and our emotions. But at the end of the day, he picks us up and says, you still have to get up even though you don't feel like it. I want you to be led by my spirit. I want you to be led by my word. Why? Because when you do that and deny your emotions that are in conflict with God's will, when you get up anyway, you're resurrected again and the life of God floods in. In you the two minutes it takes and the difficulty to get out of bed gives you 24 hours of life to live we are alive to God his life has come into our life like a bad injury like a badly injured man whom a first responder brings back to life now that now the injury now the injured man can pursue healing and restoration. Why does God raise us? Look, we get saved, but we when we come back up, we still have our pain and we're still injured. But now that we have access to life, now we're walking away from sin and God's healing power. Resurrection is about bringing us to life to restore us back to the way we should be, to make us healthy, to make us healthy in our mind, mental health, to get us healthy in our soul, our emotional health, and eventually when He returns and we get to heaven, He's going to heal our body whatever pain you might have I'm, I'm 56 years old i got pain as one man said i went to bed last night and woke up injured there's coming a day when my body will also be healed but in this life we can begin that process towards mental health and soulish health if we keep on going if we don't quit we win this is what the resurrection provides for us new life and a second chance the resurrection says we can walk in forgiveness rather than being buried alive in bitterness and blame We can walk in grace, being patient with others, empathizing and extending mercy to others. That's what the resurrection is. It's this change. So now the very healing we have, we can give it. If hurt people hurt people, heal people, help people. We can walk free from jealousy and arrogance and pride. We can walk free from jealousy, arrogance and pride. We can live in such a way that we're not so easily offended. Or to take an account of wrongs suffered. We can endure difficulty without losing hope. We can walk in faith and in truth. In other words, we can live, now live the life God lives, at least pursue that life, walking in love, which is all the things I just said come out of 1 Corinthians 13. I love this Colossians 3 1 through 2 says if you have been raised up with Christ keep seeking the things above if you've been raised in other words if you're a Christian keep seeking the things above. we don't know it all we have to see Solomon pray God give me a discerning heart that I might have wisdom to know what's right and wrong and that's a lifelong pursuit because the longer I live sometimes I come to the place and I don't know what's right and I don't know exactly what's wrong I don't mean morally necessarily I just mean what is God's will in this instead of doing it my way or the world's way What is the right thing, God? What is the right path? What's the right action to take in this context? He says, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated. That's where Christ is. He's not down on this world in that sense, living in the gutter. He's seated at the right hand of God. And the Bible says in verse 2, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Our resurrection in Christ is the victory over all things dead. We live on this earth in an earthen body that's temporary. See, dominion of Satan and the kingdom of God, living God's life in a world that's dead and dying. Living in a world that one day is going to pass away that is temporary. 2 Corinthians 4:16 says, though the outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. This is where we live. We're in the world, but not in of the world. We're in the world absorbing and taking pain and betrayal and all the things that are happening to us. But we're not of the world because our response is different because our inner man as we get with God is being renewed every day. And as our spirit man grows, our outer man gets weaker and our spirit man can can dominate. Verse 17, here's Paul. He says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Here's a guy who was whipped three times who was stoned to death, who was homeless, who was without food. He was betrayed and abandoned by friends and enemies. And he says, these are just light afflictions, momentary. In comparison to what I have right now in part and what I will have in eternity, these are lightweight things. I know many of us have suffered many horrible, horrific, evil, wicked things. But Paul says, even all that, and he experienced all that, and Jesus experienced all that, and he said, but these are momentary. There's coming a day. There's something that happens on the inside of us. Verse 18, I'm closing. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Don't look at what's going around. See what's behind it. The things that aren't seen. The motives. The demonic things that are behind these things. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So this is baptism, an identification with his death, burial. But now we have this resurrection life. When we come out of the waters of baptism, we have that power on the inside of us. This is our public identification with Christ. We have a new identity, not based in our personality or family history or ethnicity or the color of our skin. I love what Lauren Daigle says in her song, you say, The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you I find my worth. In you I find my identity. Hey, repentance and baptism is an eye opening experience. It opens our eyes and changes our life. I want to pray for you real quick, and then I want to give you, if you're listening and you have never given your life, maybe you've never heard this and you've never repented, I want to give you that opportunity. First prayers for those of you. I just want to pray in general. Father, I pray for everyone listening today that your presence, I hope, believe has gripped our hearts and opened our eyes and may we be strengthened in our inner man during these moments even these painful moments we're living in paul says that they're still temporary and they're light in comparison and if we will live like kingdom people god help us to live like kingdom people so that that eternal weight of glory rests on our lives now in jesus name but if you have never Repented and given your life to God, I want to give you this opportunity. It's more than just a simple prayer, but if you pray this prayer, and you mean it, and your eyes have opened, and you realize you're not in the kingdom of God, but you're in the kingdom of darkness, you say this prayer in faith, and you put your faith in Christ, what He did on the cross, what He did in His life, the Bible says your heart changes, and in this moment, God does something. You can't, do, you can't jump across the canyon and get to God. He comes down to you, and He changes it, and He takes you out of one kingdom to the other. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. I don't want to live for me. I want the power of sin broken, the power of darkness broken over my life. And I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you did pray that prayer, we do want to hear from you. Simply get your phone out and text MCHP Jesus, all one phrase. MCHP stands for Man of Church High Point and the name Jesus. Text it to 94090. Follow the prompts and we will give with you. And we will pray with you on the phone, online, however we can do that. Hey, Nana Church, those who have joined us, we love you so much. Again, let us know that you've been with us today. You can text us to MCHP, connect 94090. Love you so much. Can't wait to be with you again next week as we get into week four of the Purple Book. God bless you.
0: Manor Church, what a great morning we've had so far. Repentance and baptism. It's a powerful message, something that we need in our life, but we're so excited for what is to come this season. We're so thankful that you've joined us online. If you need prayer for anything, you can text us at 94090 with the key phrase, MCHP, prayer. We'd love to pray for you. But lastly, before we end our online worship experience, I want to tell you about Growth Track. We really love the Growth Track because it not only helps you discover who we are as a church, but it helps you discover your gifts and your callings. See, we really, really believe here at Mana Church that you're not just supposed to come and observe church services. That's not what following Jesus is about but we also know that sometimes it is hard figuring out what the call is on your life. We best believe that you can figure out those things in community. So the growth track is really set up as a series of small groups to help you discover your gifts and callings and then deploy you back out into your world to make a difference. So if you're interested finding about who we are, or figuring out about who you are, the Growth Track is the best place to start. You can text MCHP Growth Track to you guessed it, that same number at 94090. And we'd love to get in contact with you today. So you can hop in at any point. Growth Track is happening every single Sunday. So we love you so, so much, Manda Church. We can't wait to see you either online or in person next week. Love you.